Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and call in with your prayer requests. Maybe you've been reading the Bible and there's something that you've read that's causing you confusion or something you've always wondered about. This would be a great time and a great place for you to call in with your questions about those, and I'll do my very best, and uh, we'll see if we can answer some of those questions for you. We're also here to pray for your prayer requests. So if you're listening in the car right now, or you're driving, or you're at work, and you've got a prayer request, something that's heavy on your heart, we would love to hear from you, and I would love to pray for you, along with so many people tuning in right now, listening, and who will be able to say amen in agreement with us. So welcome once again to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and this is the show where you can call in with your prayer requests and Bible questions. So give me a call, 303-690-3000, that's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897, that's 720-336-0897. Hey, we want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. We also want to welcome those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Welcome to the program. And we also want to welcome those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and up into some parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program. We're so glad to have you tuning in. Give me a call with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests, 303-690-3000. Here at the front end of the show is always a great time to call in. We always have all open lines right now at the beginning of the show. So you can get on right now, and you can also text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. I saw, actually, I'm, I'm looking at our text um, site right now. It comes in through a portal, and it looks like somebody just tried to call the text site. So just remember that the call-in number is 303-690-3000. The text line is the 720-336-0897. So go ahead and shoot me those texts. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, we will pray for your prayer requests. We will uh, answer your Bible questions. And, you know, we've got a lot going on today. I'm guessing that there are a lot of people listening right now who are sitting in the line at In-N-Out in Colorado Springs and in Aurora. I actually went to In-N-Out this morning. I um I don't usually go down to Aurora that often, but I happen to have an appointment down there. And so we thought, hey, we're getting there. You know, our appointment's at 10. In-N-Out opens at 10. Uh, we had a friend go and wait in line. And so he only waited in line for two hours. But I just saw a tweet from one of my friends, and he tweeted that uh, he's been in line for six hours, and he can just now see the building. So... Um, it's a long line, but hey, if you're listening in, in the line for um, for in and out either in Aurora or Colorado Springs or Lone Tree, go ahead and text me. I want to know that you're 
I want to know that um, I, we have listeners in those lines and give us a call. Yep, I just got a text message right now from somebody who's like, I am in the line. So, okay, cool. So, um, yeah, praying for you guys, hope, hoping that your cars don't overheat and uh, hoping that, you know, um, that you get your food soon before you die of starvation while waiting in that line. And um, we have another thing that's big and going on here in Colorado for our Colorado listeners is that um, 15 Colorado counties are going this weekend into the red section of the COVID dial. And that has a lot of implications for churches, of course, as well as a lot of businesses. And so we want to talk through that and pray for that here in a minute. But uh, give me your give me your thoughts, give me your calls, uh, questions about the Bible, your prayer requests, the number to call 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And you can also text us at 720-336-0897. Hey, just a shout out real quick to those who are tuning in online. We have a growing audience online, which is really cool. And part of the reason for that is because we have our um, our great mobile app that we use. We have you know a dedicated mobile app. If you don't have that yet, really encourage you to go get the Grace FM mobile app. You can listen anywhere in the world, and we have people who do. We have people who listen. Uh, yeah, the Grace FM app. Um, you can get that on your phone. You can get it on your tablet. It's totally free, and you can listen anywhere in the world. And we do have you know people who listen in Africa, people who listen in uh, Europe, and in other parts of the world, South America as well, and. Um, we're always amazed at how many people are tuning in online. Like right now, I'm looking at the numbers right now. We've got people in Western Colorado, Grand Junction representing right now. We've got people in the Southwest, Arizona, up in the Northwest, um, and of course, California, up and through the Midwest and Texas, Louisiana. We've also got a bunch of listeners on the East Coast. So, hey, we're so glad to have you guys tuning in. Welcome. And we want you guys to participate in the show as well. It looks like somebody in Ukraine just jumped on as well. So you uh, listeners who are outside of our local broadcast area, we're so glad that you are part of this family as well. You can also give us a call with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests, or you can text us. The number to call 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. Looks like we got a bunch of texts coming in from people who are in line at in and out so we will get to those in just a minute but a few words about myself before we take our first caller my name is pastor nick katie i'm the pastor of whitefields community church which is located in longmont colorado and we are a calvary chapel affiliated church which means that we're a church that cares about teaching the bible uh, exalting jesus having relevant worship and being evangelistic in our approach to um, how we do ministry and so we are um, gathering this Sunday, I mentioned that the COVID changes, the COVID dial increases. Our church is in the little sliver of Longmont that is in Weld County. So, you know, most of Longmont is in Boulder County, but there's a tiny part that extends into Weld County. And our church is located in that part of Longmont. And that's been really good for us so far because Weld County has had uh, lower restrictions than a lot of other parts of the state. But uh, we just got news last night that... Um, Come this Sunday, November 22nd will be this coming Sunday. Uh, come this Sunday at 5 p.m., Weld County is moving in from all the way from the yellow. We're jumping orange and we're going straight to red. 
And part of the reason for that is actually pretty serious. As much as uh, people find it to be a inconvenience, it is pretty serious. There are uh, like, I think it's 90% capacity right now in the ICU in the hospital in Greeley. And, uh, and then here in Longmont, we've got some space in our hospitals too, but they're, they're really filling up with patients who have uh, extreme you know, reactions to COVID. So we want to pray for them and uh, we want to take this seriously. At the same time, we, we are grateful that we, um, you know, that the, that the local authorities are allowing churches to gather. And so what that means for us is that churches in the red here in Colorado, in the red zone, are allowed to meet uh, with 50 people at a time and, um, and social distancing. So 25% capacity or 50 people. And so a lot of churches praying through what they should do, how they should respond to that. And I would encourage you, our listeners, to be praying for your churches, praying for pastors to have wisdom with how to respond uh, in a way that is loving, in a way that is honoring, in a way that's respectful, and in a way that is honoring not only to the authorities, but to God. So be praying for them. They need a lot of wisdom right now. Of course, none of us have ever been through a situation like this before. And so give uh, your fellow Christians grace, give pastors grace, and pray for them because they need a lot of wisdom. So, um, yeah, as I was saying, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church. I'd love it if you'd check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com, whitefieldschurch.com. Because those restrictions come into place in Weld County on Sunday at 5 p.m., our Sunday services this Sunday will be as usual, or at least as they were uh, prior to going into this zone. So as they were in the yellow zone, which means uh, we have almost normal services. I mean, definitely some distancing and uh, we have an overflow room, which once we reach capacity in our main sanctuary, we start directing people there. Um, but we have services at 9 and 11, and we'd love to have you join us either in person or online. 9 and 11 a.m. Our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. It's 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. We're just a half mile east of County Line Road and Highway 119. And we're actually right on Highway 119. We're just on the north side of it, directly opposite Sandstone Ranch Community Park, for those of you who are familiar with Longmont. But very ac easy to access, very visible location. I mean, I'm literally looking right out at Highway 119 from my office window. People who drive by, uh, look over to the north as you're driving down 119, and you'll see our sign. We'd love to have you come and worship with us, either in person or online. Bring your mask. We'll be distancing. But we are glad that we will be having services in person this Sunday. And if you are looking for a place to worship online, go ahead and uh, join us on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. You can watch church there, or you can join us on our YouTube and Facebook channels. And you can just find those by searching Whitefields Community Church on YouTube and Facebook. We'll come right up, and you can join us online. We have a, a growing audience there as well, or growing church. I, I don't really want to call it an audience. It's a growing church. There's live interaction there on our online services, and so we'd love to have you join us for that. So... We have uh, one open line. The number is 303-690-3000. And we have a few callers and several text messages. So let's go ahead and get started with Evelis in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Evelis. Welcome to the program. Hi. What can I do for uh, you? I have a question. Uh, when we pray, uh, what things we should ask God, what things we should ask the Holy Spirit and what things should we ask Jesus? 
Yeah, I would I would remind you of this, that there is one God who exists in three persons. And so it's interesting. If you look in the Bible, here's something you'll notice. Prayer is always directed to the Father through the Son, and it's empowered or helped by the Holy Spirit. There is only one case in which somebody prays directly to Jesus that I know of, and I might be wrong, so feel free to text me and uh, and fill me in if I'm if there's anything I'm missing. Um, there is only one case that I can think of that I know of off offhand, where somebody prays to Jesus and not to the Father through the Son by the power of the Spirit or with the help of the Spirit, and that is in Acts chapter seven where we see the stoning of a man named Stephen, the first martyr. And it says that Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus in heaven welcoming him, and, um, and he talked to Jesus. Now, some people would even argue, does that even count as a prayer? Because his soul is ascending, or his spirit is ascending up to Jesus, and he's talking to him. And so, um, so many times we see... Um, we see people praying to the Father through the Son and by the power of the Spirit or um, with the help of the Spirit. What we don't see in the Bible is people praying to Jesus or to the Holy Spirit. Now, let me be clear. Just because we don't see it in the Bible doesn't mean that we can't do it or that it's wrong to do it. It just simply means that the Bible... And, and we should take note of this, that the Bible, this is the example it gives us. It doesn't tell us that we should be praying to the Holy Spirit or to Jesus. This is the model that it gives us for prayer, and that's significant. Now, again, that doesn't mean that you, you can, um, it, it doesn't mean that you can't talk to uh, the, you can't speak directly to Jesus or to the uh, Holy Spirit. But um, I'll just tell you this, that, with the um, speaking to the Holy Spirit, just know what the three persons of the Trinity, they each have an important role that they play in the what we call the Godhead or the Trinity. So, for example, Jesus is our intercessor before the Father. Okay, The Holy Spirit is our helper who helps us in our weakness. So the Holy Spirit, also we see that the Holy Spirit's role is in our sanctification, becoming like the spirit or sorry becoming like jesus so that that would be my advice to you is simply that you can um you can pray uh for help for sanctification to the spirit and to jesus as your intercessor does that help you yes okay thank you so much cool my pleasure god bless you all right bye-bye Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm taking your calls and texts live on the air. Looks like we've got two open lines right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We've got two open lines right now. It would be a great time to call in uh, if you have uh, a question about the Bible or if you have a prayer request. So give me a call, 303-690-3000 or text me at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Donald in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Donald. Welcome to the program. 
Hi, how you doing? Doing great. What's up? Just wondering, it's like in Genesis 1, right? It says, so God created man, it's like in our own image. Uh, it's like male and female, right? Uh, uh -huh. It's like he, he created them. But then it's like in uh, Genesis 2, it says, uh, it's like that, that there was Genesis 1, verse 27. But it's like in Genesis 2, uh, it, it, it says, uh, that I think it was uh, verse 7. Hold on, let me... Yeah, verse seven. It, it, it says, and then, then it says, and, and the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. It, it, um, right there. So He already created them in Gen. It's like in on the sixth day, right? So, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm confused. I mean, it's like what did He create them twice or something? Right. So, yeah, w one of the things that doesn't come out when you read the Bible in English is that the first chapter of Genesis is written in a poetic way so it's it's actually referred to in some you know writings and and like uh yeah theological writings it's referred to as the song of creation and the reason is because the the genre if you will of genesis 1 is a poem or a song and then genesis 2 is prosaic right meaning it's written like the way you would write a letter to someone and so the point of Genesis 1 is that it is meant to be, it is meant to portray creation as this beautiful, loving work of art that God did. And then Genesis 2 starts getting into uh, a lot of the understanding of what did creation mean. Okay, so here's what happened in Genesis chapter 1, and here's what it means in Genesis chapter 22. Here's some more details. So think about it this way. It's kind of like if you're watching a movie. And the first part, it gives you like kind of a, a very poetic scene, which tells you about something. And then maybe it tells you that same story, but from a little bit different aspect. So that's all it is. It's two uh, stories of creation, one being focused on being a poem and being a song. The focus of that is beauty at more than it is just information. Whereas chapter two gets into more of the prosaic form or more of the narrative form. Of explaining that story so it, it is definitely not that God created him twice it is um, it is that uh, yes God created him in his own image that has a significance in itself but then it tells us how God formed him he formed him from the dust of the earth so these two are definitely not at odds they're definitely you know things that um, complement each other yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Genesis 1 is really kind of, kind of like, just kind of like an overview almost? A little bit, yes. Yeah, you could say zoomed out versus zoomed in. But I, I think that um, it is important to recognize. See, I think here's one thing that, that what this leads to is that a lot of people fail to realize that the purpose of Genesis chapter 1 is not to necessarily give us a primarily scientific explanation of creation or a, you know, cold, hard facts about creation. Now, I'm not saying that it is, um, that it is not giving facts about creation, but I am saying that that's not the primary function of Genesis 1. The primary function of Genesis 1 is to express the beauty of creation.
So, okay. so it's, it's two different uh, genres. You know, you can imagine the difference between reading a poem and reading a, a history book. Okay, yeah, yeah that, that kind of makes a lot of sense, I guess. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. anything else I can do for you? Uh, yeah, I got another question. Okay, in Revelation 7, right? It, is that actually when uh, it's like God calls up the church? Uh, so, no, I would say this. Um, you're asking about the rapture, Revelation, if that's what happens in Revelation chapter 7. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. So, so let me bring our. Did I understand your question correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I was more, kind of wondering if, if that's when God called up the church, or I, I mean, it's like before. It's like all the plagues, and it's like I, he, he released his wrath on the earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let me just bring our listeners up to speed in case they're wondering. Oh, I don't know what's in Genesis chapter seven. So in Genesis chapter seven, we read about one hundred and forty-four thousand. Israelites who are sealed by God with a seal on their foreheads. I, I think that seal on the foreheads is really important to understand, especially in regard to something we read about later on in Revelation, which is the seal on the forehead, which is called the mark of the beast. And so what we see is that God's people during this period of great trouble, which is called the tribulation, God's people are sealed with a seal on their foreheads, whereas those who align themselves with the beast are sealed with a seal on their own foreheads. Uh, it's a marker between the two. It's a, it's a distinction as to who, to whom you belong. And, and we could talk about the mark of the beast a little bit more uh, in a few minutes. I often get a lot of questions about it. And so I will um, touch on that in a second. But here's the point. We see 144,000 Israelites sealed by God with this mark on their forehead. And we see that they essentially become evangelists who go out and they preach the gospel during this time of great trouble called the tribulation. Now, what's, what's really important to understand about that is that uh, I don't believe that this is when the church is called up. In fact, I don't believe that those 144,000 are uh, the only Christians per se, and I don't actually believe they're the only Christians who will be on earth during that period. I, I believe these are 144 Jewish people, as it says right there in the text in Revelation 7, whom God will raise up during this time of tribulation to preach the gospel and spread the good news uh, of redemption through Jesus throughout the world during this time of, of great trouble, the tribulation. Uh, where, do, where do I believe that the... Um, the rapture takes place in the book of Revelation. I believe it happens in chapter 4, verse 1. And I'll, I'll explain why. In chapter 1 of Revelation, verse 29, there is a verse, and I want to read it to you. I'm sorry, not verse 29. Um, it is verse 19. I knew there was a 9 in there. That's what I had. Okay, so chapter 1, verse 19. Here's what Jesus says to John at the beginning of this vision that John is having, which is essentially what Revelation is. Jesus says to John, Write down, therefore, the things that you have seen, the things that are, and the things that are to take place after this. Now, that's important. So he says, Write down, therefore, the things that you have seen. So that's past tense. The things that are, that's present tense. And the things that are to take place after this. That's future tense. And the word after this is the Greek phrase, metatauta. 
So keep that phrase in mind, and here's why. Because chapter 4, well, let's say the things that were past tense, that's chapter 1, the things that were. He saw the vision of Jesus Christ. That's the past tense. What is the things that are, the present tense? Well, that would be chapters 2 and 3, which speak to the churches. So it speaks to the age of the church, if you will, which is the age which we currently still live in. And then here's how chapter 4 begins. It says this, after this. In Greek, meta tauta. So that, combined with chapter 1, verse 19, shows us that there is a chronology to Revelation. And the after this section, or the meta tauta, the future things, uh, starts in chapter 4. That's where it starts, and it starts with these words, after this, or after these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what make, must take place. And at once I was caught up in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. What just happened to John? He just went from being on earth to being called up with the sound of a trumpet into heaven. That is what we call the rapture. So essentially, John got to experience either a vision of the rapture or a preview of it or something. But in his vision, he got to experience this rapture. And here's what happens. At the end of the age of the church, John gets raptured. And around the throne, he sees all of these people. He sees the elders, of course, but he also sees this great multitude who's around the throne praising the Lord. And then from that heavenly vantage point, he then watches the outpouring of God's wrath upon those on earth that um, is what we call the tribulation or time of Jacob's trouble is another way that it's called. And so he's watching it from heaven. Now this aligns with um, what I would understand to be the correct understanding of when the rapture would take place, that it takes place before the judgment of God comes upon the earth in the tribulation time. Now here's what's interesting about the tribulation as we see in chapter 7, which you referenced earlier, that there are still people who come to faith in Jesus. There are still people who are getting saved during the tribulation. And that's actually a really good thing. It's a really merciful thing because what it means is that, let's say somebody has rejected Jesus their whole life, and then the rapture takes place, the time of tribulation starts. It means that the story's not over. There's still time for them to repent, to believe in Jesus, to receive salvation, although they will have to go through that time of difficulty and trouble on the earth. But there's still hope, right? There's still the good news of the gospel, and they, there's still time to receive it. You know, as opposed to if one dies, then there is no more chance to, uh, to have your destiny be changed by putting your faith in Jesus because it's, it's been too late. You, you've had your chance. So that is my understanding of when the rapture takes place. Um, and there, I'll give you two reasons why I believe that very quickly. This is a biblical pattern that we see going all the way back to the Old Testament, that God does not judge the righteous with the wicked in all things. So, for example, when God wanted to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, what did he do? He removed the righteous people from Sodom and Gomorrah, which was Lot and his family, and then he, he brought judgment on the city. Um, how about Noah? God wanted to judge the sin of the world in the time of Noah, and actually, the tribulation is compared in the New Testament to uh, God's judgment during the time of Noah. Well, what did God do? He took 
the righteous people on the earth out of the picture before he brought that temporal judgment on the earth. And I believe that that was the same thing that will happen in the, I believe that's a pattern that we see throughout the Bible and it's the same thing that we'll see happen in the tribulation. So, does that help? Yeah, yeah that helped a lot. Okay, cool. Right. I'm, I'm going to have to let you go because we come up to our, our mid-show break. But thank you for I, the I, great I, questions. Okay, thanks a lot for uh, all your input and all your help on that. I appreciate that. My pleasure. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. And we are going to be right back after this break. Uh, we've got two open lines. Number to call, 690, or 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got two open lines right now. The number to call is 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand. It's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. All you people in the in and out line right now, waiting six seven hours to get your uh, cheeseburger or whatever you're doing. You guys, give me a call. I want to hear from you. Let's talk about the Bible while you wait in line there. Okay, three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Armando in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Armando. Welcome to the program. Thank you, brother. How are you? Doing great. Good, good. Um, I have a two-part question and a prayer request, if I could. Sure. Um, so my uh, my first question is, um, I was speaking with somebody, uh, I, I would say last week, and they asked me what my religion was, um, and when I... Growing up, um, I always thought Christian was a good answer um, because it, it, it's what I am. Um, but they, they explained to me that that's no longer an acceptable answer, that um, you have to be something Christian. And it just kind of threw me off guard. And I, I kind of uh, uh, asked her to explain, and she said it's like a denomination now. Like, you can't just be Christian. It has to be um, Protestant, evangelical, or, you know, something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think you can absolutely be a Christian and just call yourself a Christian. I think that's Jesus' disciples. You know, they were Christians. And that should be our goal, is um, to be known as followers of Jesus. You know, all of these denominations, um, you know, I mean, they're groups that are formed by people, for better or for worse. Sometimes, um, you know, I'll put it this way. Early on as a, in my Christian faith, I thought it was, it was not good to have denominations. I was really, I liked the idea of, you know, non-denominational church. But here's the thing that I found, having gotten into non-denominational churches, is that uh, within non-denominational churches, there are still groups. Now, the benefit to what your friend is saying is that when you explain which kind of groups you belong to, it kind of lets people know, um, you know, about the beliefs of your group. Now, that's a good thing in my opinion, if the beliefs of that group are really good. I'll give you an example. That um, 
you know, I'm, I'm part of Calvary Chapel. In fact, I'm a leader in Calvary Chapel. And one of the things that um, I like about that is that I know that if somebody tells me that they go to a Calvary Chapel or they are, you know, belong to Calvary Chapel, it kind of tells me what they believe and what they believe about the Bible, what they believe about Jesus, etc. There are other people who will try to use the name of Christian, but they don't necessarily believe um, the, those same things about the Bible, right? They may not even believe that the Bible is true, and they might still call themselves a Christian. You know, there's a big push here in Longmont. I just noticed uh, that the Mormon church is really trying to um, portray themselves online. So they, they call themselves, right, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But online, in their Facebook advertisements, they've dropped the word of Latter-day Saints, and they just call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ which is, in my opinion, very misleading because um, they are not Christians. They're what I would call pseudo-Christian, right? They, they don't believe the same things about the Bible and about Jesus that Christians have believed for 2,000 years. And so it helps me to know, okay, that's a different group, right? Even though they might call themselves Christians, uh, they don't believe the things about the Bible that I think, well, I, it's not even what I think, that Christians have believed throughout the, the history of Christianity going all the way back to Jesus and the apostles themselves, right? In other words, they, they believe fundamentally different things. So sometimes that can be helpful and sometimes it can't. I think it should be your goal and my identity. If somebody asks me, hey, what's your religion? I'm not going to tell them my denomination. I'm going to tell them that I'm a Christian. In fact, my denomination or my group that I belong to is really only going to come up if we get to start talking about secondary theological issues. You know, things that are not primary to what it means to follow Jesus. But, uh, so I, I think that they can be helpful. It's like many things, right? It, these distinctions are helpful up until the point where they're not. And so I would say... Uh, I started going online and doing research because I wanted to maybe, you know, put, a, put something else to my Christianity. And, sure. um, you know, I wanted to see what into what other denominations, what they entailed. And I was a little caught off guard by, by mm -hmm. some of the drastic uh, differences in, yeah. in Christianity. I mean, if I can put it that way, um, I know with some of the evangelical Christians, I know I've noticed them a lot online and they're... they're, um, they're, they're they're using God in with with like the election and everything, mm. and w I know one of the pastors he was praying and he 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 made a point to pray for um, the Democrats uh, and he asked God to forgive them for they know not what they do, and I, I just it just caught me off guard. I'm like, is I don't think God has really a, a horse in this race. Like, if anything, I don't I don't think he prioritizes these kind of things over you know much more important things. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're touching on an important issue, which is that um, that sometimes partisan politics can co-opt um, can co-opt Christianity, right? We follow the lamb, not the elephant or the donkey. Am I right? So um, that's important. As Christians, we believe that our politic of the kingdom of God and Jesus as our king it supersedes all of our other partisan politics uh, of this country or whatever country somebody might live in. Um, so I think that that is important, you know, as far as, but as you're saying, there are differences between different groups in, in big picture. Let's put it this way. All Christians essentially fall into three categories. And those three categories are 
you're either or Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholic, or you're a Protestant. And that's, that's by definition, because uh, if you're not Eastern Orthodox or Catholic, then you are a Protestant, which means uh, Protestants, meaning it was a protest against the Roman Catholic Church. So Christianity broadly follows or uh, falls into three main categories. Now, the goal of Protestantism and the goal of the Reformation was to get back to the simplicity and the purity of biblical Christianity. It was to say, what does the Bible teach? We're going to believe that, and we want to uh, kind of eschew all of these unnecessary or added on or extra biblical um, rules, regulations, traditions, and we want to get back to the simplicity of the Bible and the simplicity of the Christian faith as it was practiced by the apostles and the early Christians. That was the whole point of Protestantism. So if you, if you are not Catholic or Eastern Orthodox, then you are, by definition, Protestant. Now, within Protestantism, like you said, there's different movements. There are um, mainline Protestant is one term we use here in the United States for the largest uh, denominations, which mainline Protestantism in the United States has gone liberal, and that's not politically liberal primarily. What it means is theologically liberal, which means that they, when I say theologically liberal, that just means that they tend to not believe that the Bible is necessarily the inspired, infallible word of God. They believe that it is a tradition of men that might give some insights into God, but isn't necessarily to be followed uh, really stringently. Or yeah, and, and then on the other hand, you have theologically conservative people, and this is what the term we use, evangelical. The word evangelical, by the way, it just means gospel, which sounds a lot better in my ears personally, because like you said, evangelicalism has gotten tied in a way to, uh, and, I, and I would I would actually argue that it's been co-opted by uh, political movements and political ideologies, especially in the United States. But originally, you know, evangelicalism was a movement that came out of Germany and out of England. And it was a movement because the word evangelical in Greek, evangelium is the word for gospel. And it simply means that these were people who said, we are gospel Christians. We're Jesus people. And and I'll tell you, that's that's what I'm here for. You know what I mean? I'm here for the Bible. I'm here to follow Jesus in simplicity and purity. And, um, and so... Sometimes we have to, to use new terms when old terms become less useful than they used to be or when they get co-opted. And so a lot of people um, in, in modern times, and, and we use this at our church as well, we'll, we'll further specify. We, we won't say necessarily that we're evangelical. We'll say instead that we are gospel-centered, Christ-centered, Bible-believing. We'll use these kinds of terms to explain who we are. Mm. Awesome. Oh, I thank you for that, brother. Um, you were more than helpful. Um, and uh, again, it just, you know, it just kind of threw me for a loop there. I didn't know what to, what to think, you know, or what to, how to answer, but yeah, no, I appreciate your answer. Um, if I could make a prayer request, if I could. Sure. Um, I know, uh, here in Loveland, um, I, I had the uh, opportunity to visit the, the food bank just cause you know, I was a little bit in need and there was about a hundred cars in that line. Um, and then I just started doing some research and it seems like one in four families in Colorado, are are in need or you know don't have any uh idea to where the next meal is coming from and i just wanted to pray for everyone who's hurting right now and yeah. just uh you know, hopefully they get a little uh comfort in knowing that it, it will get better it will get better hey armando thank you so much for bringing that up um that's something i wanted to 
I was hoping maybe for an opportunity to share this. Here's something. Um, I don't know how many of you listening heard the, the announcement during the, the two-minute break that we had just a few minutes ago. But it was an announcement from Pastor Ed of Calvary Aurora announcing that they have 25 Thanksgiving dinners that they want to distribute to families in need. Well, here up in, in northern Colorado, at, in Longmont, at, at our church, Whitefields Community Church, we have also 25 Thanksgiving meals with turkeys and everything uh, that are far, part of our food pantry ministry that we want to distribute to families in need. And so if that is you, if you're listening and you are a family in need and uh, we want to assist you. And so, um, Armando, we just started this food pantry a few months ago and someone listening to the radio in, in a show just like this one said, I want to support you. And um, we had um, we had someone come and say, hey, I want to I want to support that ministry and so they gave us a great kind of seed donation that helped us get started. So we, we're now functioning and we're getting our pantry running. It's called Table of Hope Food Pantry. It's right here in Longmont. And we, we really want to serve the community. So if there's anyone out there listening or uh, here's the one that just got texted to me, someone saying, if you know of somebody in need, maybe, they, maybe they're a little embarrassed to, to ask for help themselves, but you know that they need help, then you could refer us to them or refer them to us. So let me just give the contact info for this, and then I will pray for your prayer request. Uh, the contact info would be email us. Just email us at info at whitefieldschurch.com. So that's info at whitefieldschurch.com, or you can call or text our, our church phone number, 303-775-3485. And we would love to get you connected, um, anybody who has need, especially during this time with, with the latest COVID shutdown. There's a real danger that a lot of people who work in the food service industry are going to be out of work um, because restaurants were able to get through the first one on savings and through some government assistance. But this next one, um, this might be the nail in the coffin, unfortunately, for some businesses. So let, let's pray for this need. Heavenly Father, we just agree with Armando. Lord, we want to follow you, Jesus. We want to be people of the word. We want to be people who are led by the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we pray that that's the kind of people we'd be, no matter what uh, group of churches we might belong to. Um, but Lord, we do pray for those in Colorado right now and those across our country and around the world who are really suffering because of the effects of uh, coronavirus regulations, the effects of the pandemic, the just suffering because they're in a, a tough spot in life, perhaps. Lord, we pray that you would provide for these people, give them the courage to step out and ask for help, but also, Lord, would you bring people around them? Let's say maybe they even lack the courage, Lord. Would you bring somebody around them who has the compassion, the empathy to look at them and say, I'm going to help this person or I'm going to refer them to a food bank. And thank you for these ministries that exist. We pray that none of the food that you provided to food banks would go to waste, Lord, that it would really get in the hands and the fridges and the freezers of people who need it. And Lord, that as we do this work in your name, that you would get the glory and that people would understand the love of God through our actions. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Hey, God bless you, Armando. Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. The number to call, 303-690-3000, with your question about questions about the Bible and your prayer requests, you can also text us 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Preston in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Preston. Welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going, Pastor? It's going great. 
Great, great. Um, so I was curious. So I've always been curious about uh, Enoch and Elijah because they were, they were the ones who never tasted death and they just went up with God. Um, but like they don't talk much about Enoch. And I recently had ran across, you know, that there's a whole book of Enoch and there's a whole book of Thomas, you know, for the New Testament. And I was curious of where you stand with you know, those teachings, since they're not necessarily in the Bible, you know, but, you know, those characters are. Enoch and Thomas um, were closely affiliated with God and Jesus. And so I was just curious as far as um, where you stand with that and, you know, the dangers or, or slash blessings that may come with it. Yeah, no, great question. So these books fall into a category that we call uh, Apocrypha. Now, Actually, more the book of Thomas is what we call New Testament Apocrypha. The uh, book of Enoch is, and it's not even actually apocryphal. So Apocrypha, these these mean uh, extra books of the Bible that are not included in what we call the canon of Scripture. Canon is a weird word that simply just means the rule, kind of as in the sense of rulers, right? So a ruler is something that you measure by. And an inch is always an inch. And you measure things based on the ruler. Well, that's how we think of the Bible. The Bible is like the rule of faith or the ruler of faith. We measure our thoughts, actions, etc. based on the rule of faith or the canon of Scripture. Now, these books are, are not the only books that have not been included in the canon of Scripture. There is a whole slew of other books out there that exist. And, um, you know, Here's the thing. Just because somebody named Enoch is in the Bible doesn't mean that that is the same person who wrote the book of Enoch. And there are several reasons why somebody would write a book and call it the book of Enoch and basically try to play it off as if it was written by Enoch. And that the main reason, though, is to give it credibility. So let's say you are a weird cult leader. Okay, I know you're not, but let's just say you are. And you want to introduce some new doctrine and you want to give your doctrine legitimacy. You want to make it seem like it's the real thing and that what you're teaching is actually what, you know, the people of God or what Jesus has always believed or taught and that everybody else has got it wrong. Well, what you would do, and this is especially the case with the Gospel of Thomas, is that what you do is that you write a book and you claim and then you claim that that book is written by somebody legit. Okay, so this is kind of like what Joseph Smith and the Mormons did with uh, the Book of Mormon. They said, oh, well, this book was given to us by an angel. That's how we know that it's legit. Okay, so the people who wrote the Gospel of Thomas, we actually know who they were, and we know when they wrote it. And there are several reasons why. But um, they they wrote this book two or three hundred years. It's actually mid-200s is the uh, closest we can estimate. Uh, that they wrote this. This is 200 years after the actual guy Thomas lived. How do we know that? Because there are references in the book to things that only existed 200 years after Jesus died, right? Or And resurrected and ascended into heaven. So for example, this would be like if you were writing a book and your book supposedly took place in the 1800s, but you mentioned in there that you drive a BMW and you have an iPhone. Well, you'd be like, okay, wait a second. People in the 1800s didn't have BMWs and iPhones. This must have been written after 2010 when iPhones existed. 
right? So that that's what we call um, an anachronism. And so there are anachronisms in the book of Thomas and also in the book of Enoch because the Enoch who lived in the Bible, he was the great-grandfather of Noah, which means he lived a super-duper long time ago. And so did he write that book? No, because we actually know that that book was written in the intertestamental period, which is the period in the 400 years before Jesus was born and after the Old Testament was completed. That is when this book came about. So, I mean, that is literally um, about 2,000 years after. Um, well, it's not quite that long, but it, it's, um, it's, you know, 1,500 years or so after Enoch would have lived. And so... So that's one reason why we don't believe it. Here's the other thing about the Gospel of Thomas. I went to school, right? I got some degrees in theology. And one of those was, uh, I had for one of those degrees, I had to read and analyze the Gospel of Thomas. And to anybody who wonders, you know, is the Gospel of Thomas something that we should read? And is it a good book? I would just say, hey, go read it. It's available online. And you will quickly find out that it is very different than the rest of the Bible. And it is very different in not only like uh, some ways that would make you say, oh, the rest of the Bible was trying to hide this from us. No, it's just straight up weird. Like, and it portrays Jesus in ways that are really the antithesis of what the other books of the Bible portray him. And this isn't just in regard to, let's say, inappropriate relationships that he might have had. It's like his entire heart, his entire attitude, his entire character is completely different in the Gospel of Thomas, like there's this one part where uh, Jesus is building a uh, kind of like a dam out of a puddle of water in the middle of the street. And, you know, like you would, like if there's a flow of water and you create a dam to kind of pool the water. Well, so Jesus is doing that. This other kid comes by and he ruins what Jesus had been doing. So Jesus kills him. <laughs> and then he, uh, he like makes his body turn into like a, like a skeleton almost. And just like, and you're like, wait a second, what in the world is happening here? You know, so it's, it's that kind of stuff that uh, it's so inconsistent. You know, when they were trying to figure out which books of the Bible to include in the canon and not include in the canon, here were the main criteria. For the Old Testament, it was, what are the books that the Jewish people have always regarded as Holy Scripture? And to be clear, the book of Enoch is not one of them. Um, when it came to the Gospel of Thomas, understand the Gospel of Thomas uh, existed, but everybody knew that it had been created by this sect called the Gnostics. And the Gnostics had created it in order to give legitimacy to their religion, very much like the Book of Mormon today for the Mormons. Um, but there, the real criteria for what books were included in the New Testament canon were, number one, what books had Christians always considered to be Holy Scripture? Number two was um, which books had apostolic authority, right? They were written by apostles or they were written uh, based on the firsthand accounts of apostles. And the third criteria was that they had to be theologically consistent with the rest of the Bible. And that's based on the assumption that God does not say one thing one day and then say something contradictory the next day because he is, um, he is, a God who doesn't change. So that's my opinion about them. I don't think you're going to, you know, hurt yourself spiritually by reading them. 
I think if anything, if you read them, you're going to be, it'll become very clear to you very fast why these books are not included in the Bible. And it's not because anybody's trying to do anything secretive or nefarious. It's because they really are just out of left field and uh, they, they teach something very different. Right. Yeah, I, I kind of was thinking that, you know, you, you know, test every spirit. And, and I, when I was reading certain parts of it, uh, it just didn't line. It didn't feel right. And so I was just curious as far as where you were with that. And, um, you know, because I, I heard uh, somebody saying about the book of Thomas that uh, Jesus was, uh, he, he pulled Thomas aside and told him things that he said the disciples would stone him for. Uh, it was talking about, I am, we are all gods type stuff. And I know that goes into like Hebrew Israelite type stuff, but I didn't, you know, want to, I just yeah. wanted to kind of get some clarification. Right. So, yeah, by calling it the Gospel of Thomas, they're basically just trying to find one of the apostles. It's actually what's called a pseudograph. A pseudograph is when you write uh, a book under somebody else's name, pretending to be that person, even though you're not him. So I got to let you go because I got one more caller before the end of the show. But thank you for your call and God bless you. All right. Bye bye. Hey, let's go to our next caller, Rick in Honeybrook, Pennsylvania. Hi, Rick. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor. I have a prayer request for my nephew, Stephen. Okay. He um, He's having some heart issues, and they're talking about open-heart surgery. So I thought we could get your listeners to, to pray over the family and, and pray for him. Absolutely. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we lift up Rick's nephew, Stephen, to you. Lord, as he is going to have open-heart surgery, we just ask, Lord, you'd watch over him. So many so many things to pray for in this area. Lord, we pray for the doctor who will perform the surgery. Lord, we pray for the nurses who will assist. Lord, we pray for the anesthesiologist to work well and precisely. We pray for the doctor to um, be precise in his, um, in his work. And Lord, we do ask that this would be a successful surgery. Lord, that it will be profitable for Stephen. Lord, we pray for the hospital workers and for Stephen while he's in the hospital, Lord, that he would not contract uh, COVID-19 and, uh, you know, have any complications with that. And Lord, we pray for those who love Stephen and who uh, care about him, Lord, that this would be something uh, which you would give them comfort in, in knowing that no matter what happens, Lord, uh, your love doesn't change and you are a good God who has good things in mind for them. I pray that facing uh, open heart surgery would be something which causes Stephen to truly turn to you with all of his heart and that this would be uh, something you use in his life in a very good way. But Lord, we do ask for his safety, for his health, and for the success of the surgery in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. You bet. God bless you, Rick. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've come almost to the end of our show. We've got two and a half minutes left, so I'm just going to go through some text messages, and I want to pray for a couple people uh, in these text messages before we end our show. Father, we lift up uh, one family here that is praying, that is dealing with COVID, Lord, and needs healing. We ask, Lord, that you would heal them uh, and that their family would be well. So, Lord, we pray for anyone out there who is um, dealing with COVID. I see another person writes that their 98-year-old father is uh, dealing with COVID. We have uh, other people we know of. I think we, at this point we all know somebody who 
has been touched by it. And so, Lord, we lift up those in hospitals, Lord, that they would come off respirators successfully. We pray for doctors and nurses that they would treat well and that they would diagnose correctly and that they're, um, you know, that the course of treatment they choose, Lord, guide them in that. Keep the doctors and nurses safe. We pray for their children and families at home, Lord, that you'd protect them from their loved ones coming home off the front lines from um, spreading the virus. And Lord, we pray that um, we would be able to get back to regular life soon. But Lord, help us that we would have the mind of like Paul the Apostle had about his imprisonment, that we'd have that same mind when it comes to these COVID restrictions and regulations and this unique time we live in, that we would say, we believe that all of these things have been used by you for the furtherance of the gospel. So Lord, may we have that mind and those eyes. Lord, I want to pray for uh, one texture who says that they feel numb and depressed. Lord, I pray that you would help this person to know, and not only to know, but to feel and sense your love for them. Lord, I pray that you would embrace them, that you would minister to them even now in Jesus' name and bring a feeling where there has just been nothing but dull numbness. Heavenly Father, we pray for another uh, texter's daughter that she would know the truth from the lies, Lord, that she would come to know you and, uh, Lord, that your truth would set her free. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you guys for your calls, your texts. What an honor and privilege to be with you uh, today, praying for you and answering your questions. Again, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. We'll be open this Sunday in person and online at 9 and 11 a.m. God bless you and have a great weekend. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.